0: Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by His Word. There's uh, sometimes there's uh, a battle that goes on in the preparation of the Word, and uh, the Lord had given me a passage very early on uh, from John chapter 15. And uh, but today, man, there was a struggle. Uh, It was like there was a, a battle. That was going on and uh, the verse that spoke out to me early in the week was john 15 verse 11 and we're talking about the word we're talking about the word jesus is the word and he is not j- the the written word or logos is one thing but the the inspired word of god and the the word that brings life the rhema that brings the life as we grab a hold of it is so powerful in the passage that uh, I had wanted to or I was I knew the Lord had given was uh, John 15 verse 11 and says these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The things that the Lord would speak to us are there to bring us joy that your joy may be full and um, so part of it is well what did he what did he say to us and what what was he desiring for us that our joy would be full and there's once again there's a few other things, but if you look at this passage of scripture, it is a continuation of of a number of hours, and those hours just before Jesus would be taken and tried and crucified. Like we are talking the Last Supper, in chapter 13 we, we read of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. But from chapter 13 and on to 17, there is a lot that is share the lord jesus shares with us and he says in john 13 chapter 13 he says you know what if you want to be great you need to serve if you want to be great in god's kingdom it is to serve In john chapter 14 this is a passage where he, he says hey don't let your hearts be troubled I want you to know in my father's house are many mansions and if it were not so I would not have told you it is so and he talks about where he is going he wants for us to be and there's there's this aspect of great comfort as you read through John chapter 14 he says I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to father except through me it is only through Jesus Christ but in chapters 15 16 and 17 there's details on our life flourishing. I don't know about you, but just the word itself, to flourish. There's this thing of, of, of not just life, but there's a thing of fruitfulness about us. For our life to have fruit. I uh, Just the other day, in fact, today, as I, I was walking into the, the house, just on the left side of our porch area, there's this rose bush. And there's one flower that has opened up and is blooming. And even as I, I, I saw the flowers, like, oh, wow, that's amazing. My, my attention was drawn to this red rose that had opened up. The amazing thing that I saw around that red rose was a bunch of, of smaller roses. And as I looked at the plant, there were so many roses ready to open up. And I, th- I thought, this is amazing. This is beautiful. That's just, a, that's just a flower. But when it comes to the fruit in our life, the fruit that the Lord desires to have growing in us and, and on us, I believe it's a psalmist that says, hey, taste and see that the Lord is good. That others would taste and see that the Lord is good, the fruit. Today, um, Julie bought some, uh, some cherries. They are on sale. And um, so she brought cherries home. How many like cherries? Yeah? I think most of us. Cherries are, are yeah, between grapes. And cherries, man, they're so good. And especially when they're on sale. But um, this thing of tasting, you know, uh, fruit. And when others taste and they see the fruit in our life. And in chapters 15, 16, and 17, 17 is the Lord's prayer for us. If if you're not sure what the Lord is thinking about you, read through John chapter 17. You get an idea of what the Lord is thinking about you as he's praying. And so that entire chapter is a prayer that the Lord prays for his disciples. And uh, you see the heart of of the Lord for those that are, are around him, those that are followers of him. And you see the heart of of the Lord also for those that are still to come, that are not followers yet. You read that in in chapter 17, of those that are still to come to know the Lord. And it's like, Lord, God, you you have an amazing heart. We get to see that. I want to focus in on this this thing of of this joy. Um, Let me read again. This is John chapter 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And uh, so I, I want to just go over uh, the secret of having real love and joy. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to go through uh, John chapter 15, verse uh, I'll I'll get through a good portion of this chapter, but I want you to know how important the the Word of God is, how important Jesus is to us and His Word. In fact, in the first nine chapters, uh, seven times this word, you hear this word again and again, and you're, you might say, I, I'm not sure what that word means, because it's not necessarily a, a common English word, it's, it's more of a word that is, uh, I guess, uh, more old English, and it's the word abide, and, and so I want you to, just as we go through the first number of verses here, this thing of, of abiding, What does it mean? So, um, the word abide means to remain. It means to stay in a place, to remain in a place. And there's a reference about remaining, actually, of three different things, and not just place. It also has to do with time. So, to be kept... Through time and through different states of conditions or conditions that you might be going through. So, this word abide means to remain in reference to place, in reference to time, and thirdly, in reference to state or condition. So, Part of this thing of remaining in place, there is this thing of, okay, I'm staying in one place. I'm going to uh, uh, tarry. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to move away from that place. But there's also another part of this word to, to be in place, to remain in place, is to be held or kept continually. So I'm held in place to abide and so I'm held. There's this thing of, of keeping, of keeping safe, if you would. This remaining in reference to time, this abide, when it relays or uh, refers to time, it means to continue to be. So if I abide or remain, I continue to be I continue to last or endure through something. I continue through, if it's of people, to survive, to live, to not perish. So when I abide, and we'll see where we're abiding in, there's this thing of being kept safe in regard to time, that you endure no matter what you're going through in the moment you're going to make it you're going to get through it all right in reference this ab- abiding or remaining in reference to state or condition is to remain as one not to be to become another or different that when it comes to who we are that we are not we're not changed from that which is perhaps good or is good. So we remain in this state of, of life, of fullness. So just as we go through this, uh, there's this illustration that Jesus gives to his disciples. And so he gives this illustration of a gardener in a garden where there are vines. And on the vines, on these vines are grapes. And so it's a, it, like it is a vineyard, right? So there's this, he gives this illustration of a vineyard and of the fruit that are on the vine. And so listen up and uh, just see that there's this progression in this illustration from being uh, of having no fruit to having more fruit, to having much fruit. And in the process of of there being that fruitfulness in our life, there's a progression to glorifying the Father. So it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, so the one that takes care of the vine. The Father takes care of the vine. And Jesus is the true vine. So Jesus is the vine. And we recognize, as we continue on in verse 2, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, this may seem a little bit negative. Uh, this, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, if we read this as we see it, it means like, okay, so that br- branch doesn't have any fruit. I'm taking it away. And this is, a, this is why it's so important at times to, to look at some of these words and the meaning of the word uh, in the, in the, the Greek and the meaning of this word to or this, these two words to take away actually is to take away from the state that they're in. And in this case, the state being not having fruit because they're, they're close to the bottom. They need to be lifted up. They need to be elevated off the ground. So if you'll notice uh, that a, a vine dresser, somebody that is gardening in the vineyard, you'll notice that they keep the branches uh, on these strings and they elevate them off. There's no grapes that are are down on the ground. So there's the ones that are, are held low or have come down, there's a lifting up of them. So every branch of me that does not bear fruit, and a lot, a lot of times the ones at the bottom, there's a lifting up of them so they can bear fruit to get them off the ground. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Last year, let me just tell you something, a little bit about pruning. I don't know. Somebody know what the word or what pruning is? What do you do when you prune? All right, so you, you cut back branches, and especially the ones that are, are sucker branches, it's, you cut them back. So let me just share what I, last year, uh, speaking of roses, I've had a, a rose bush in the back. And uh, I don't know, I, th- I think I had given it to, to Julie years ago. And you know, you can buy a, a pot of, of roses, and you can buy just a small pot. And I thought, you know what? It's nice to have them inside, but rather than just getting rid of it, uh, I'm going to plant this this little rose bush, and that rose bush uh, has continued every single year just to to come up or to be full of roses. And they're not huge roses, but you know about this big in size, and they you know how they open up and, but they're not a lot not a huge rose. Um, and last year for whatever reason i don't know what happened but it was i don't know if it was the harshness of of the weather and the climate or whatnot or maybe the age of the plant it seemed like like it was dying and there was nothing left there's hardly anything i looked at the everything and it was in fact i think there wasn't there might have been been even an infestation of aphids or something to that effect but anyways it looked like this plant is dead. I I don't think it's going to survive. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do before I just tear it out? I'm just, I'm going to cut it right back. And so uh, in the fall, I had cut it right back. And uh, this spring, I look and this, the whole bush has come back to life. And it's just where I thought there was no life, there's all these branches coming up. And this, this, little rose bush that's at least, I think at least ten years of age, is coming back, or it's there's a fruit on it, if you would, of these flowers, beautiful flowers. And so this thing of pruning, to have fruit, there's a pruning back. They say that, yeah, if you're gonna prune back a, a rose bush, the ones the leaves that are closest to the top, you'll see that they have three a, a little stem with three leaves going off, and if you move down further, you will see a stem with five leaves growing off, and then if you keep moving down the branch, you'll see a stem with seven leaves on the stem coming off. They say, if you're going to prune, don't prune the ones that have seven, but you can go down, as far as I know, uh, definitely above just above where there's five or just above where there's seven. You can take them off to prune them back and so that they, there will be a growth. And so the vine dresser is very careful about uh, there being a fruitfulness. God desires for there to be fruitfulness in our lives, that we're not, we're not just fruitless but fruitful. And we will see how important we've been talking about the word of of god the word jesus is the word and how important the word is And in this case he says i am the true vine the branch on its own if it's cut off cannot survive but the branch is in, in other parts of scripture talks we've been grafted in we've been grafted in as gentiles into this vine of who jesus is and we've been grafted in, put in to that that vine. It's kind of neat. That there'd be life that begins to flow in as we are grafted. The moment we receive Christ into our life by faith, there is life that starts to spring up in us. We are born again, truly. We are born again as we receive Christ. And there's there's fruit that begins to grow. In us, because we're attached to the vine. We're abiding in the vine. So every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so there's this lifting up, there's a raising from the ground, there's a raising upwards and elevating, there's a drawing up. Praise God. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Even as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we place our faith in who he is and what he's done for us by faith. And we're grafted into the, into the vine, the branch grafted into the vine. And he says, you, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. As his word says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word of God to us. And there's a cleansing that takes place even as we would just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. In Verse 4 it says, abide in me. Here's that word again, to remain. Remain in the Lord and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it imbibes in the vine, we need to be attached. We cannot be cut off from the attachment uh, to the Lord. We need to, if we want to bear fruit, if if there's going to be uh, a fruitfulness about us, it will only happen as we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we, we need to abide in the Lord. How do we abide in the Lord? How does that all begin? What is the initial part? What do we need what do we need to do to, to have life in Christ? Sorry? To read the word, even before that. How do, how do we get to a place of attachment of, of who we are into Christ and Christ within us so, so there's a, a, a return or a repentance a turning to him yeah how do we how do we have life in Christ we're grafted into the vine but how does that how does that look in the reality of, of our lives? Uh, How do we get life in Jesus? It's it's simple. It's simple, and and we're going to see that as we go on in the Scripture. There is a few passages after this passage of that your your joy may be full. It talks about about Jesus being that we are we are His friend. He is our friend. And uh, so he talks about this this thing of what he did, giving himself for us, and we'll, we'll get to that. So it is by faith in who he is and what he did for us. You're absolutely right. By that faith in who Jesus is, he's not just any man, he's not just any person, but he is Jesus Christ, the Son of God that was given by the Father, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the moment we believe in him by faith, we are attached. And there's this this willingness of attachment, as in, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. We're talking about the word, and we'll see how the word uh, is so important in all of this. So, by faith. So, it is as we maintain our faith in Jesus Christ, and we're not cut off, there will be other things that will come into our life. We will be fruitful, trust me. Because a plant, basically, if I'm willing to be fruitful, As I'm abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus and Jesus in me, I will be fruitful unless I choose not to be fruitful. Because you have everything within you to to have fruitfulness or life coursing through you because you're attached. You are willingly attached by faith to Jesus Christ, the vine. You're a branch. You will bear fruit. Interesting, talking about roses, another rose, little rose bush that I planted. Julie likes roses, so I've I've been planting roses all over the place. And so, we bought this rose bush and Julie wanted it because it was yellow. It had yellow flowers on it. So last, uh, when we, when I planted it, there were yellow roses on this plant. Well, the next year, it's like, I don't see yellow roses. I'm seeing red roses on the same plant. It's like, are you serious? I didn't know that, you, that the colors could change, or maybe it was different branches that came up. I don't know. So last year we had red roses on this plant. Guess what color they are this year? They're yellow. She says, Dave, there's yellow, there's three big yellow roses on this tiny plant. Yellow roses, it's like so cool. Just because they're attached, as soon as I cut them off, you know, they're they're good for a few, you know, few days. You can put them in water and whatever, and and uh, and they'll continue to bloom. But eventually, yeah, that that plant or that that flower will wither up because it's not attached to the vine. We will wither if we're not attached to jesus christ we need to be attached by faith i am the vine this is verse five let me read it again i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing without him we can do nothing without jesus christ we have no life If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Without Jesus, this is a picture of where we end up. Without Jesus. It is so important that our faith remains in Jesus and his finished work for us on the cross. You know I've been saying that for years now. It is critical that your faith remains there. It needs to remain there, and you will be fruitful. You will not be cut off, but you will be fruitful. Now, now it starts to get very interesting. From verse 7 and on, there is so much that comes to as benefit. Because our faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did for us, now there are things that start to happen in our life it says if you abide in me so if we're attached by faith to jesus christ and it's a willing attachment we're not saying i don't want anything to do with you jesus lord i know i need you i'm gonna stay attached to you if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you the lord is saying listen you keep your faith in me, what I did for you. And if my as my words abide in you. The thing about when we're close to the Lord, if you're far from somebody, it's like you might see them, but you can't hear them because you're so far from us. They're way down there. I'm not sure if they're talking to me or not. They might be talking to me. I'm not sure because I just can't hear them because I'm not far away. But when you are close to somebody, you can hear everything they're saying, unless you, sh- you tune them out, you know? But otherwise, when you're close to somebody, you're going to hear what they're saying. When you're attached to them, definitely, not only will you hear, but the Lord is saying, I want my words to get to be a part of who your life is and what your life is. What is the Lord saying to to us, and he's saying, if you abide in me and my words abide and remain, if they remain in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, the amazing thing is when your faith is in Jesus Christ and his finished work for us on that cross, and as he begins to speak to us, there's changes that will take place in your life. Let your faith remain in Jesus. You're, you'll be attached. And now he wants to speak to you. And he wants for you to do his word. He wants for you to do his word because it is beneficial for you and it's beneficial for others. And it says, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. You will follow, you will follow me. You will do my word hallelujah we are alive in him there is life coursing through us because of him because of jesus because of his finished work we received christ into our lives and he desires for us to be fruitful he desires to speak into our lives and even for us at this point to be able to say hey Lord, this is what I desire. You know what? This year, I want to be yellow rose. Main thing is, Lord, let me be, be fruitful. Be fruitful in different ways. Lord, this is my desire. You can ask even what you will, and it shall be done for you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And the, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples, hallelujah. So we're glorified, or we glorify the Father by bearing much fruit. We will be His disciples. What is a what is a disciple? What does a disciple do? Huh? Serving God. What else? Sorry? A disciple follows. Jesus, when he called the disciples, he says, come and follow me. For Peter and uh, Andrew, for Andrew and Peter, for John and James, it says they left their nets and they followed him. For three and a half years, they were with him pretty well 24-7 while he was on this earth. Disciples. Now, so not only following, what else does it, would a disciple do? Especially early on. And what would the, the teacher or the, the master, like what, what's his, his, what would he, what would the master and the disciples, what, what would be the interaction? Did I, Did I hear somebody saying something back there? sorry, to train them and the the disciples to to help? Is that what you're saying, Jonathan? That the disciples would help the master? Sure. But there's this aspect of the disciples early on did not know really too much about Jesus And so Jesus begins to speak into their lives. And very early on, from Matthew chapter 9, he's already ministering. And then he comes, and at the end of chapter 9, it says that, that he beheld the multitudes. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he had compassion on them. And he, then he talks to those that are very close to him at this point. He had just called, in fact, the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 10. It gives the names of all the disciples, all 12 of them. But I find it very interesting that he is saying, hey, I want you to be a part of the ministry that I would do here on earth. To this day, that hasn't changed that there would be a ministry through us, this obedience to say, I want you to go out and make disciples. I want you to teach them all things you've comman- I- I've commanded you. And I- I'm going to be with you right at the end of the age. I want you to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Lord wants to do a work through us of bearing much fruit. And this thing of It says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. A disciple is a pupil, is a learner, is a student, and is taking in the word. What are you saying? What would you say? The difference between the disciples and those that that heard the parables, the parables that Jesus spoke were illustrations Just like this is an illustration, the disciples were saying, what does it mean? The people that were listening to the parables were saying, hey, that's really great. Are you going to feed us today or what? Are you going to show us some miracles today? Oh, I came because I have a need. I'm sick. It was more they were interested in what could they have for themselves in the moment. Now, mind you, the Lord used the miracles, and the healings, and all of that, but it was the word that brought life, because really when you think about it, I can be healed physically from an ailment, but eventually, should the Lord tarry, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. What is more important than physical healing would be a spiritual healing that would allow for me to live eternally. And so even if I die physically, I know that I'm going to live eternally with the Lord. So this thing of of being a disciple is to be taught, Jesus said, I'm going to make you. You're fishermen? Peter, Andrew, John, James, you guys are fishermen. I want you to be, not fishermen, I want you to be fishers of men. I want you to to bring people to the Lord so you'll be my disciples. And the Father is glorified in all of this as we are fruitful because we're abiding in Jesus. We're abiding. Now, it continues on. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you, as you continue to abide in Jesus by faith, my faith is in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, you will get to a place of abiding in his love. That you know the Lord loves me? The Lord loves me. It's interesting that when we sort of mess up, it's like we say, does the Lord still love me? We messed up. Does the Lord still love me? To be able to know, yes, you know what? The Lord still loves me. I'm abiding in him. Even when we mess up. And so it's, it, there is this thing of, Lord, yeah, forgive me. If I've sinned, Lord, forgive me as I've sinned. It says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. How do we know that Jesus loved us or loves us? How do we know? There's a a passage that, that speaks of this. It's in his death. He died for you and for me. And so there's this demonstration, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. I know the Father loves me, and I came 2,000 years ago because I love you. And there needed to be a sacrifice because I love you, and abide in this love, this love that says that God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This demonstration of his love for us, he loves you Regardless, even though we were sinners, he's saying, "But I died for you to take care of your sins. I died for you to take care of the consequences of your sins, because I love you, because I want you to have forgiveness, I want you to have my love. I want you to be with me for eternity. I look forward to I'm, I can't wait for eternity to think. There's a very good chance that I'm not going to die physically. None of us. Because the Lord is coming back soon. There's a very good chance that all of us will be that generation that, uh, that doesn't see physical death. And in the twinkling of an eye, as the trumpet sounds, we will be changed from corruption to incorruption. From mortality to as in being able to potentially die to immortality in a a split moment. And it's like, thank you, Lord, because you love us. Abide in your love. And that love starts to grow in us. It says, if you keep my commandments, and this is the main thing, if you can, the secret of having love perfected in you and joy perfected in you is, you need to just remain attached to the vine. And you are attached, you became attached by faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Keep attached. As you are attached there by that faith, there will be love expanding in you to the point where you say, Lord, what would you say that I would do? I'm going to do it. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So Lord, I wanna, I'm gonna do what you would have me do. Just like you did what the Father had you do. What did the Father have the Lord Jesus do? What did the Father have Jesus do? Ultimately. Sorry? Die for us. The Father had Jesus go to the cross. He came. He was born and he lived to die, to go to the cross. And it's interesting. You know what? Just go to the cross daily. Take up the cross daily. Deny yourself. Take up the cross daily. Follow Jesus. Keeping his commandments, the Holy Spirit will help you to keep his commandments. And his commandments are good. I, I just spoke on this a few weeks back. He said, I was talking about rest, to have rest in him. He says, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, that have, you have many burdens, heavy burdens on you. Come to me. And I, I, I'm going to give you rest. Because my yoke is easy. my burden is light a yoke we're talking we are attached a yoke attaches two horses together or three horses together or two oxen together that yoke attaches them and, and we are yoked together with Jesus we are attached to him and he's saying my yoke is easy and my burden is light why because he carries when it when the going gets rough and it gets tough, he is the one that is pulling. And the burden that needs to be pulled or carried, his burden is light for us. He's carrying the brunt of this weight. Praise God. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments, abide in his love. So I hear the Lord as he would speak to us and I do. To not just be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of the word. To read the word. This is God's word or the word to us. And as we begin to do his word, as we hear and do his word, there is life. It's the rhema. The rhema. It's not just logos. This is, this is logos, right? This is logos. But rhema is when I take the word and I begin to meditate on the word, and I begin to do the word, now it becomes life in me. Critical. We're talking about the word. Th- th- sometimes the word was, I, I don't know if it, it makes sense. Sometimes it's like, when it talks about, uh, you know, that we shouldn't lie. We should tell the truth, we should be honest. And sometimes uh, the, in the, the truth or honesty, especially if we've slipped or fallen, we, we might want to cover something up. But as we're truthful, it's amazing the blessing of being truthful or honest. And especially as we are heeding his word, it is a blessing to us that we would be not just hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word, that we not just read the word and say, oh, yeah, but that we would say, no, I'm going to apply this in my life. How can I apply this word in my life? And sometimes it's word a word that says, don't do this, and other times it's a word that says, you need to do this. So, Lord, the things that I shouldn't do, I'm not going to do. The things that I should do, Lord, I'm going to do. And it, it brings us life. And we it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. The Lord is saying, man, I don't know about you. Think of yourself as, as children. And we're talking about children of parents that may have, not, have been very flawed. How, I know how I felt, but I don't know, maybe, I don't know who your parents were. But how did you feel when you were obedient to your your parents, your mama, your dad? How did you feel when you were obedient? They're not not asking you to do something wrong. They're not asking you to do something bad, but how did you feel when you did the right thing that they asked you to do? How did you feel? Anybody? You felt good. There's something about I I remember, you know what? One of the things that I used to do, and it's an amazing thing is I I can remember doing it as a six and seven-year-old. I think it was my my mom that taught me this. So when it came to cleaning the washroom, for me it was, you know what? Uh, There was a showing of, hey, this is how you clean uh, the sink. And, you know, back in our day, yeah, chrome, the chrome valves and whatever, and even sometimes, even today, you know, there's chrome or whatever, brushed nickel or whatever it is. But there's this thing of my mom showing and then I'm, I'm doing it. And, and at times I would, I would clean, even without my mom telling me. I, I can remember my mom saying, oh, you know, that's, that, oh man, that looks beautiful. You did an awesome job. Same thing with my dad. To be entrusted with something, hey, you know what, son, can you rototill the garden? Like I was, I, I wasn't even a teen yet, and our garden was probably the size of this sanctuary, or maybe bigger. Andrew, was it about this, this size? 50 by 120. So the thing about, what? You're entrusting me with this responsibility? Hey, son, can you va- uh, roll till the garden? He showed me, hey, listen, you, you you don't need to, you can control this machine. There's that plow in the back. You push down on that plow, and, and that, that way, if you lift up on it, it's going to move forward. It's going to jump forward as the tines are digging in. It's just going to go forward. You push down the plow in the back, and it'll, it'll cut into the, to the dirt, and you'll be moving forward at a, a regular pace. So here I am, you know, 11, 12-year-old kid, rototilling the garden because my father... And, and how did I feel just when he said, Oh, man, good job. You did an excellent job. Is, is there was this thing, this feeling within, the joy of the Lord, the joy of my father. It says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And sometimes you say, well, I get this joy. But you know what? It's, the joy comes as I make the father or the son glad. And as he is glad in what I've done, what I've accomplished, or the responsibility I've taken, it's like a strength It's a strength to me. His joy is strength to me. It's like, oh, man, I just want to do something. I want to do something more for my father. I want to do something more for my mother just to make them happy. I'm, just, I'm saying to you, in keeping his commandments, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Man. And I knew, I knew it wasn't just my parents saying, oh, hey, you're a good kid so they can get more out of me. Was, I know that my mom and my dad love me. Because oftentimes with the word, there was also, as, as a younger child, like a six- or seven-year-old, there was this thing of, of this wrapping of their arms around me saying, oh, I love you so much. It's interesting. As my dad, in the last number of months of his life, Speech or the the extent of the speech became more limited. And so he didn't say too much, but he would just look at me. And sometimes all, and then all he would say is, David, I love you. That's all he could say. And near the end, he would just, sometimes he would just mouth it, I love you. And to have, to have the Father's love because we are obedient. If you love me, keep my commandments. And there's, it's reciprocating. It's interesting, in, in John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Here it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So it's just reciprocating. It's turning back and forth here. And there's something about this thing of pleasing as the Son, as Jesus pleased the Father, even in going to the cross. Jesus, as he knew what was coming, it wasn't like he was ignorant. He knew what was coming because it was planned from before time began. And here the hour was upon him, and he says, if this cup could pass from me, if possible, that this cup would pass from me. Would I have to suffer? what I have to go through that it would pass from me? But he says, not my will, Father. Your will be done. I am going to follow through with this. And as a result, we are here 2,000 years later, and we have life because of Jesus Christ and his obedience to the Father. Because the Father loved us, and the Son loved us too, enough to say, I'm going to die for you. And in this aspect of his love by faith there's love that begins to flow in us and there's a a joy that begins to flow in us verse 11 it says these things i have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full there's something about knowing i've i've pleased the father without faith it is impossible to please god But anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so here we are at a place where not only is the love of God beginning to well in us and overflow from us, that we can begin to love even others that maybe are not so lovable. As it says here, In verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And now he he goes back to the, the essence and the root of everything. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And he's talking there, not just of anybody that would lay their life down for his friends, but he's talking specifically about himself and what he did for us on that cross. Because I love you. Because look at what it says in the next verse. Let me read 13 again and then 14. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. He's saying, I laid my life down for you. And I love you so much. And you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You know what? There is no commandment, really, no commandment that is detrimental to us. It's always for our blessing and our our benefit. The word of God and the life, the logos becoming rhema, life to us as we grab a hold of it and say, yes, I'm going to do what you would have me do. And in this case, he's saying, love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than, this to lay, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I ever command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. And so we get past the point of being a servant, and we, there's a thing of knowing. And in fact, the Lord even at the very beginning when he began his ministry, he saw the masses like sheep without a shepherd and he immediately calls his disciples and they are named everyone, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. And he says, and he sent them out. And he sent them out by twos because the, the, the love that he had for the masses, he wants us to be a part of bringing Jesus to them to bringing a life to them. Hallelujah. So we are part of the plans of God. We're not just servants, but we are friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I've made known to you. And I want you to take responsibility. Just as I have taken responsibility, I want you to take responsibility. I want you to be fruitful. In John 16:22, the next chapter over, it says, Therefore you now have sorrow, and we may go through sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And he's saying, listen, you didn't ask the Father, as he's talking to his disciples, you didn't ask the Father because you had me right here. I'm going to go, but I'm coming back, but I'm going to go, and you can ask the Father now in my name. We are at that place. We can ask the Father in Jesus' name. Ask and you will receive that your joy May be full. Not just to know the love of God, but the joy. How exciting it is to share about Jesus with others or to do something for somebody else. To do something for somebody else. To show the love of Jesus to somebody else. And there's a joy within us. The Lord is saying, hey, I want you even to ask. You will receive. There's things that the Lord would have us have. In John 15, verse 16, I close with this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it or give you. I want you to be fruitful. I chose you to be fruitful, to flourish, to abound in fruitfulness in in your life, in who you are, that others would, would know who the Lord is because of you. And all of this, he says, these things I command you, that you love one another. To love one another. It's amazing. We have an amazing God. The secret to having real love and joy is to abide, abide in the vine. And as you, you start that attachment, it starts the moment but you have given your life to Jesus as you placed your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. Yes, there was a repentance. You turned from sin or you, you asked the Lord to forgive you. You turned in the direction you were headed in and you're heading towards eternity with God. You have eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ as your faith remains in him and there will be an abundance of love The Lord will give you and surround you with love. And the Lord will give you joy, even as you say, Lord, man, you have been so good to me. Lord, what is it you would have me do? I'm going to do it. Lord, you gave your life for me. I'm giving my life for you. What would you have me do? How would you have me be that others would taste and see that the Lord is good? That there would be a love for one another and the joy of the Lord. The joy will be full. Let me read again. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. So, let's just close in prayer. Lord, I just, I thank you that you give us so much. Lord, you gave your life for us, and we have life eternal. We have been born of God. We have a life eternal just by placing our faith in you and receiving you. And Lord, turning to you, we just thank you for that. And Lord, with it comes love. Love is perfected in us because we are attached to the vine. We are branches, and we will be fruitful, Lord. Lord, that we're, we're going to cling to you. We will not let go of you. And Lord, you will do a work, a beautiful, powerful work of change in us that others can taste the fruit in our life, experience know the fruit in our life. Lord, it's a blessing to them. And they taste and see that the Lord, he is so good. Lord, I pray that there would be just a rejoicing. Lord, there just be a rejoicing in you. Lord, as we even know you're rejoicing in us. As we love you and keep your commandments. As we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do. I will do what you would have me do. I, I thank you for including me in your plans, in your your purposes for my life lord you have plans and purposes for me and lord thank you you think of me personally you would entrust me with things lord and i just thank you and i praise you and lord even as as your joy as you rejoice in us lord there's a joy that wells up within us lord just to make you happy Lord, I pray that we would love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, I just pray this in Jesus' name. I pray blessing on each and everyone here tonight. We thank you that word that you spoke to us so long ago that you even as you spoke it to Nicodemus, you spoke it to all of us. Of the Father, God loved us the world so much that he gave you, Jesus, to come, to die for us. And even as we would believe in you, that we would not perish, but we would have everlasting life in and through you. And so, Lord, we just, we we abide in you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We rejoice in you. Hallelujah. Bless my dear brothers and sisters here tonight and their fruitfulness, Lord, that they would be fruitful. Lord, there would be an increase in their lives, a revelation of you like they've never had before. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.